Good morning. Good to see you here this morning. It's good to be in Alhambra. I'm Randy Lanthrop. I'm the senior pastor. I'm usually at the Diamond Bar campus, but about once a month or so, we try to, Alex goes to Diamond Bar, and I, I get to come here, so it's really good to be here this morning. We're wrapping up a series uh, that we've called Beginning Again, and in in some ways, life is sort of a series of fresh starts. Uh, there's a cycle that we live by. Each day ends, we go to sleep, we wake up, a new day begins. And some some days, like personally my Friday and Saturday, I'm looking forward to going to bed <laughs> because I need a new day. We had a slab leak at our house, and water, we discovered Friday night, water poured just into, up from the slab, coming through the tile and the laminate and in our bedroom. Anyway, called the insurance company. They sent people out. They brought in the stuff to dry things out, and we were up a while. Had to get up early and do a parenting seminar in Huntington Beach the next day. And then came home to more construction, deconstruction, really, demolition, <laughs> as they tore up the part of the floor that was wet. So anyway, I got, on a, I got on a tangent there. But what I'm trying to say is some days you're ready to go to bed and have a new one start. And that's sort of a cycle that we go through. Like one season ends and we go into another and then another and another and then back around again. Here's the thing, as the cycle turns over, we don't always feel renewed. We, we don't always feel refreshed. We wake up to a new day, but yesterday is chasing us. And so in this series, we've been looking at what God has said about that, because the problems of our past can find us in the present, and if we let them twist us up and tie us up, they can impact our future. So we really need to know how to deal with this stuff. I, I golf sometimes, and uh, actually I only golf when somebody invites me to golf and I want to get some time with them. That's about how interested I am in golf. Um, but sometimes, you know, when you're golfing with friends, you say, okay, we're going to get one mulligan in this game. And a mulligan is when you make a bad shot, it's going to cost you some strokes. Maybe you hit it out of bounds, that's going to cost you three strokes. You can say, okay, do-over. I'm going to hit this shot again. Here's the problem with a mulligan. What if you have the game of your life the rest of the, the golf game that day? What if you end up with the lowest score ever? There's an asterisk by the score. He took a mulligan. He, he took a do-over. He didn't really. That score wasn't really his. Because he did that thing called a mulligan. And so what we need is we need a way to really deal with our past, our mistakes, our sins, the ways we've offended God, our own rebellion. And so we've looked at how God has provided the way to get past ourselves and the, and the rebellion and the sins that we've Committed. So the first week of the series, we looked at how crucial it is to get an accurate read on our situation so that we can choose the right response to repair the damage that's been done. That was first week. Our root problem in life is spiritual. 
And if we don't understand that or acknowledge that, then we try to fix it in some unspiritual ways. And so we need to know that a spiritual problem needs a spiritual answer. We need to see this the way that God does. And so we've been looking at the way God does. We've been looking at how to deal with this. And the key to dealing with our past, to starting over again, is accepting what Jesus Christ has done for us by paying for our sin on the cross and deciding to follow him wholeheartedly. So that's what we looked at first week. And throughout the series, we looked at how God answers our root problem and how he wants to help us unwind the trouble that we experience. Week two, we looked at how he gives what we need to deal with our past and the, the impact of that. How uh, Week three, we looked at how to rebuild trust in relationships that have been broken, that have been damaged. Uh, week, week four, we looked at how to handle our finances, how to start over there. How do you do that? What's God's word say about it? It has a lot to say about that. So we looked at that. Week five... How to deal with the dreads. How, how do we deal with dread? You know, you got work. You know, and it's work is not work. It tends to be supercharged with fear and anxiety and worry and dread. And so how, how do you deal with that? How do you start over when you're just ready to be done? <laughs> you don't really want to go to work. If you missed any of these messages and you want to listen to them, you can find them online at churchthevalley.com. Uh, may be helpful to you. Today, I want to look at how to do something we talked about the very first week. I'm, I'm, I think Alex mentioned it. I, I'm trusting that he did. But we talked about um, the carousel of regret and how we ride this carousel of regret when we don't change our approach to the cycle of repeated mistakes and wrongs. We're on this carousel. It's not a happy tune. <laughs> that carousel plays a very unhappy tune. But if we don't change our approach to handling life, we're on this carousel. And it's playing the tune. And the merry-go-round is not fun because we're just struggling with what we always struggle with. We have the same day over and over again. Kind of like Groundhog Day. We're just stuck. We're stuck in it. The movie. Groundhog Day, the guy was stuck on that same day. There's a lot of hope for transformation if we see things God's way and begin to let him work in us. And so we're going to talk about that today. When, when I say or do something foolish, I have a, a phrase I say, and you may have heard it, you may have said it, you may have thought this, but it's sort of a knee-jerk remark I make when I do something foolish or silly or whatever. What was I thinking? You ever thought that or say that? What was, what was, and it's not usually, hey, what was I thinking? It's like, what was I thinking? There's a country song, and I apologize to those who can't take country. Um, but there's a country song that's, that says this well. You know, there's some good stuff in some country songs. Um, but it's Dirk Bentley wrote this song, and he says, I know what I was feeling, but what was I thinking? What was I thinking? I'd sing that for you, but I'm going to spare you. It's sort of with a twang. What was I thinking? Um, but anyway, this is a great question because what you find in Scripture is this. The same old thinking leads us to the same old place 
where we do the same old things. So what was I thinking, which is something we sometimes ask at a knee-jerk response, is a good question. It's fantastic. If you want to get off the carousel of regret, you have to change the way you think. Because that's where everything starts. That's what, where our, our words and our deeds, they have their, their uh, beginning in our hearts, in our minds. God shows us in his word that transformation takes place at a heart level. In Scripture, your heart is the choice-making center of your being. It's where you make choices. If we want to change our life, we have to change our thinking. This this is the way it is. So we're going to look at two things later on in the message as we're wrapping it up. We're going to look at two things that we can do, and they're major steps, major ways that we can make moves to change in our life. but we're going to, before we look at those, I'd like to look at some ticking time bombs that can shape our thinking. And we need to be aware of these because they can blow up in our face. About eight, seven, eight years ago, I was in a country that had been in a war uh, about eight or nine months before I was there. And we were driving in the major city in that country, and we would, we would go, we would take a road in toward the city and all of a sudden, there would be craters in the road. And so we had to slow down, and we'd, I mean, the car would go kind of like this. And you're, you're wondering if the suspension's going to hold up or what's going to happen, you know. And, and the reason that those craters were there is because the city, all the roads around the city had been bombed. And this is what happens with these ticking time bombs in our minds. If we're not careful, they blow up and they block the path that God wants us to walk on. They either at least slow it down tremendously. So that's that's a strategy in war. You you just destroy the roads so that the the city, so the people of that country cannot make progress in their, and move, move things around. That's a strategy. This is what the enemy does to us, Satan. He, he wants us to buy into these ticking time bombs, and he sort of tugs on us to give in to them so that they'll blow and keep us from going the direction that God wants us to go. So we're going to look at these before we dive into those two main things that we can do to let God work his change in us, to, to transform us. The first time bomb is an independent attitude. Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. That's what Proverbs 18 says. Uh, I don't know about you, but when I'm going through a problem, when I'm struggling at times, I've thought I can handle this alone. I don't need anybody else's help. I'm a special case. I don't think anybody else is going to understand anyway. They haven't gone through this exact thing right here. When we do that, when we think my situation is unique, especially here in church life, often we're fooled. In church life, we tend to think, well, you know, they they probably don't have these kinds of problems. They're not struggling with these kinds of things. If we were open and honest with one another, we find out we're all dealing with similar 
struggles and problems. And and so we but what happens is this ticking time bomb of an independent attitude starts sinking in and getting packed in our hearts. And we think no one else here is going to understand what I'm dealing with. And so I'm not going to I'm not going to talk to them about it. I'm going to try to handle it on my own. Wise counsel based on God's word has a way of fitting into your situation, whether or not the person giving it has been through exactly what you're going through. The reason is God's word is built. Wise counsel is built on God's word. And he himself has a way of speaking into your, your circumstance that we need to, we need to listen to. And so this is why it's important not to choose this independent attitude. It's a time bomb. A second bomb is when we're toying with temptation in our mind. It's another thought process that can shape us. Here's some advice from a wise father to a son in Proverbs, and it's about dealing with sexual temptation, but it applies to all kinds. As we look at what he's saying here, he says, I've seen among the simple, he's talking to his son here, I perceived among the youths a young man lacking sense passing along the street near her corner. He's talking about a seductive woman taking the road to her house in the twilight, in the evening, at the time of the night and at the time of night and darkness. And behold, the woman meets him dressed as a prostitute, wily of heart. So here, here's the problem. The simpleton thinks that he can withstand the temptation by putting himself right next to it, by walking around it and sort of toying with it. And this is what the young guy does. He, he, he walks down the street where he knows he's going to run into this kind of woman. And here's what happens, verse 22. All at once he follows her. As an ox goes to the slaughter or as a stag is caught fast, all at once he dives in. This is what we do. We think, I can take it. I, I, can, I can toy with temptation and I'm strong enough to withstand it. So we just toy with it. We get close to it. And all at once we dive in. This, this is what happens. So... The answer is to stay completely away from the time bomb. Get out of there. Temptation is a bomb. Keep your distance from it. In in the case of this guy, stay off the prostitute street. Don't, Don't go near where she lives. Build some distance. Create some distance. Uh, some people say build a hedge. Between you and the temptation, stay back from it. Stay away from it. Um, he, he made the choice to give in to temptation when he decided to walk down that street. He'd, he'd already made the, to- the choice. And we do this. We, we, we fool ourselves, sort of. We deceive ourselves. And, you know, there's other... Things we need to guard against. Maybe we need to just stay away from the party where we know we're going to cave in. Or we need to steer clear of a certain website. Or whatever. We build in the the protection so we're not going to dive in. Your thinking gets very fuzzy 
when you're toying with temptation. You, you, just, can't, you, you just can't do that. You need to put a hedge of protection <clears throat> between, we need to, we all need to, put that hedge of protection between ourselves and all kinds of temptation. This is the way wisdom thinks. This is the way we, we move forward. Another time bomb is excusing wrong desires. Uh, Romans 16:18. for such persons do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own appetites, and by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. So we lie to ourselves. We pack dynamite under our lives, time bombs. One thought is, it's not right, but it makes me happy. Doesn't God want me to be happy? Yes, but the problem is if you go down the path that you're considering there and you're fooling yourself by thinking wrong desires or right desires, you're going to get on that carousel. You're going right back on. It's not a happy tune. It's, it's, it's a haunting tune because of the sense of regret that you have. So we have to watch this. Excusing wrong desires this way is a time bomb that's going to blow up on the road to change. So we got to watch that. So the first three time bombs are thoughts that tend to swirl in our own minds. The last two relate to others who plant wrong thinking in us. The first one is bad company. Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. People we share life with and open up to shape our minds and the thinking that flows out of our minds uh, is shaped by close relationships, friendships, family relationships. And they, they impact what I say and do. So these thoughts that I'm picking up from the people I hang out with um, and that I share my heart with or that I have a, a heart tie with are very important. So what that means is we need to take initiative and do all we can to find and build relationships with people who are seeking God, trying to live wisely, who will share thoughts that we really need to hold on to. Look for those folks to avoid that time bomb. Another group who plants wrong thinking in us is the wrong teachers. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. The truth often has an edge of pain to it. You know, when you, when you deal with reality, there's this, it's like running into a wall. It, it hurts some. It has this edge of pain to it. We need it. We need the truth so we can stay on track with God's ways. Make sure that you aren't listening to the teachers who are scratching your ears. You have itching ears. And you want to find people who tell you what you want to hear rather than what you actually need to hear. What you need to hear often hurts. And it has this edge of pain to it. So get under people who will speak the truth, who, who build their, their thoughts, the ideas they're trying to communicate. They build it on the word of God. You might look at that list of times bombs. I think it's on... Uh, is it on your out? Is it on your listening guide? It's there on your listening guide. Um, you might look at that and think, okay, there's still time on my clock. I don't, you know, I have a pretty long fuse here. 
I got some time, or I could even withstand the, the blast. Maybe you like the thrill of toying with the time bombs. And, you know, I'm sure I can diffuse it before it blows. I'd like to encourage you this week to take some time to consider each of those. Read the passages that connect with the time bombs. Go before God. Maybe take some time. Just look through them. Ask God to show you. Is there anything I need to deal with here? Is there something I need to respond to? Is God saying anything to you right now? And it would help to get some more time to think about. So take some time to consider what's really at stake if we don't address these time bombs. If you follow the wrong thinking to the end, it's going to blow up. It can blow up family life. It can blow up marriages. It can damage careers. It can derail the pursuit of a degree. It can ruin friendships. It can stymie spiritual growth. This, these are dangerous things. So we have to, if we start at the very source we find protection for ending up on that carousel. And that's how you, one of the ways you get off of it. How, how do we diffuse the ticking time bombs? How, how do we diffuse those? In the movies, you call in the bomb specialist. And, you know, they're trying to figure out, do I cut the red wire, the green wire, which wire do I cut? And everybody, you know, if you're really into the movie, if you're not, you're like, okay, who cares? Cut whatever one you want. If you're into the movie, you're like, oh, no, he's going to cut the wrong wire. It's going to blow. <laughs> So you're waiting to see what happens. Um, but we don't have a bomb specialist. We need help, you know, knowing, knowing how to deal with this. God shows us how to avoid the wrong kind of thinking that's going to blow up in our face and keep us from living with serious regret. It, it could be that you're here today and God has just shown you one or more of these time bombs that are counting down in your life that you need to deal with. It could be that it's an independent attitude, subtle, but it's there. It could be that it's toying with temptation. It seems like it's harmless, but it could be devastating. It, it could blow up some important friendships or family relationships. If you're ready to get off the carousel of regret, God's given direction in Romans 12:1 and 2, on how to do that. Um, we refer back to this. I refer back to this passage, Romans 12, 1 and 2, often. It's going to be up in a, in a bit. I'm not there yet, but uh, I, I go back to it often because what it says is so important for allowing God to transform us. And we need to keep remembering what he said here so that we can we can deal with the wrong thinking in our lives, which turns into wrong words and wrong actions and blows up in our face. So the first thing we learn is that God transforms me as I present my, my entire life up for God's use, as I give my life to him to be used by him. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. When the passage says your bodies, he means our total self. 
We give everything we are to him. He is urging us, Paul in this passage, he is urging us to place our entire life in God's hands. This is an act of personal surrender. And this is where the process of change begins. This is where it starts. You, you may not yet be at this point of trusting Christ. Maybe you're here and you're investigating what it means to follow Christ. You're trying to figure it out. And that's good. We're, we're glad you're here. There, there's a process that we go through of investigating what it means to follow Christ. And part of that process is counting the cost. Trying to figure out what is it going to cost me to follow Christ? What is it going to mean for me? What, uh, what am I going to have to give up? What do I need to do? How do I need to think? What do I, what, what's that mean? How does that happen? Um, and so I'd like to explain what it means to take that step to present my entire life up for God's use. Because it's important. Our life is made up of many different parts. Uh, family, career, Maybe church, if you go to church, uh, school, community, uh, community involvement, recreation, our finances, our money, and all kinds of other stuff. And when we start out in life, the Bible says we put ourselves in the center. So we're, we're in charge. God made us, but we're in the middle. We're in the center. We're calling the shots. We, we live independent from him. It would be right if we lived under his guidance and leadership. But every one of us, the Bible says, began to sin, to go our own way. And we're on the throne of our life, calling the shots in the middle, in the center. And we're deciding how to handle all these things. So when we're in the center, it makes sense that if we start learning about Jesus and getting to know a little bit about him, he's just a slice. So he's, he's just a part of the pie of our entire life, and we keep him in sort of the Jesus slice. You know, maybe the Bible's in the Jesus slice, prayer, um, maybe um, going to church or doing some religious things. That's, that's the Jesus slice. It's interesting, though, when Jesus describes what it, what it means to follow him, he said he needs to become the Lord or the boss of our life, which means to put him in the center of our life, to make him the king, put him on the throne and let him begin to call the shots in every area of our life. That's what it means. He actually said, any of you who does not give up everything he has and follow me cannot be my disciple. He, he's, saying, he's saying what Paul was repeating. Present your entire life up to God for his use. That's what it means to follow Christ. Now, if you haven't done that, I'm sharing this just so you get a deeper understanding of what it means to follow him. If you have done that, here's the problem. We keep taking it back <laughs> in a way. You know, we, what it means to follow Christ, you say, yes, God, I'm going to follow you. I, I'm going to give my life to you. So we say a giant yes. The moment we say that to God and we present our life to him to be used by him, 
Our eternity is changed. He promises to give eternal life. But from that moment till the day we die, we still struggle with giving it back to him, giving it over to him, surrendering to him. So if you have decided to follow Christ, if you haven't, that's what it means to follow him. If you have decided to follow Christ, you have to keep choosing daily to give it back to him. Because there's this battle that goes on. You know, we want control and we want to handle it. And when I catch myself wanting to do things my way and diving into the wrong thinking, I have to stop and say, God, that's wrong. I, I give it back to you. I t- take it. And then he helps me when I do that. We present ourselves to God all day long and in moments when we're challenged not to. It's a moment-by-moment choice after we've decided to follow him. God, I give you my day. I surrender it to you. Help me to do it your way. Help me to say what pleases you. Help me to do what pleases you. So that's the first step. The first major move is to present my entire life up to God's use. The second one is to let God rewire my thinking. Because this this is what shows up in our life and the way we live, our words and deeds. Romans 12:2 Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. All of us pick up ideas uh, just by living and breathing in this world. Through the media, through education, through our friends, some we've learned at home. If Christ is boss, then we need to identify ideas that are not in line with the the way that God thinks about things. Then we yield to God's way and let go of our old thinking. And then we find out he's right. It's good, acceptable, and perfect. This is a process we go through. The major way that God changes us and our lives is by his spirit who lives in us after we've decided to follow him, who takes the, the word of God, the Bible, and begins to change our thinking. And as he does that, he changes us. When I read the Bible, uh, I find ways of thinking that are very different than mine. You know, in our culture, it's, it's, it's sort of acceptable. It's not sort of. It's kind of acceptable to be adversarial toward our authority, toward our leaders. You know, it's, it's okay. You got a boss. Well, they're the boss. You just have an attitude toward the boss. It's interesting, though, I, uh, as I read the Bible, and one of the things that stands out to me there is Philippians 2.14. Do everything without complaining or arguing. Oh. Oh. Everything? Does that mean working under my boss? I have to do it without complaining or arguing? Are you kidding me? My attitude is, my thought is, it's okay to be adversarial. It's sort of ex- expected, you know. I mean, it's like that's what it means to go to work. It's work. They're the boss. I'm going to get upset. They're going to tick me off. I still struggle with this at times. For instance, we have a $1.2 million uh, beautification project going on in Diamond Bar. And I have really battled 
as I think about the money that's being poured into that beautification project, and I watch what they're doing, and it's in the middle of the process, and I have made, I confess, some comments to my wife about how I don't get it. Why are they doing that? What's going on? And God convicted me of that. You know, it's sort of acceptable, sort of bellyache about what the city council's doing, the decisions that are made in the government. You know, you sort of bellyache about it. That's the, hey, everybody does that, right? In the middle of the project, I'm bellyaching, which does no one any good because what happens is it stinks up the atmosphere of the car. Okay, (laughs) I'm sure it's not helpful to Cindy or whoever else happens to be in the car with me when I bellyache about it. No matter how justified it seems, complaining and arguing doesn't help in any way. But I feel I have this idea that I'm justified. I can just complain and argue. I can go, it's okay. That's not God's way of thinking. His way of thinking is do everything. If I've decided to follow Christ... I do everything without complaining and arguing. And then the rest of the verse says, so that you shine like a star against the backdrop of the black night of the universe. That's all it takes. Stop complaining and arguing and you'll reflect well on the God you serve. That's a different way of thinking than normal. My normal way is I'm justified to just let the leaders have it. But I need to stop. I need to stop it and get my thinking in line to please God. Daily, I realize God's thoughts that are above my own. And I need to keep yielding to them. This is how the process works. This is how God changes us. As we let go of our big ideas and our way of thinking, God changes me and he transforms me. As we let him change our minds, he changes us. I'd like to ask you, if you would, to pull out your connection card. Uh, It's in your program. And you may have begun to fill it out earlier in the service, but I'd I'd like to ask you to take this time to finish completing any information or next steps that you haven't had an opportunity to fill out. As the worship team comes back up on the stage, uh, the ushers are going to prepare to receive this morning's offering. And uh, when the offering comes around, you can drop the card in the offering. That'd be great. I'd like to say thank you uh, for your giving. That's how we do what we do here before we move on. But now I'd like to look at some next steps as a result of what we looked at in the scripture. There may be some steps that you're ready to take in following God. Um, The first one on your listening guide and on that connection card is for the first time, I accept Jesus as my Savior, and I will follow him as Lord. Maybe you're ready. You've been investigating what it means to follow Christ, and you're ready to decide, I'm going to accept Jesus' death on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin. And I'm going to follow him as Lord, as boss. I'm going to let him call the shots. And then maybe another step you'd like to take, there may be others that have come to mind, but Five days this week, I want to read through each passage connected to the time bombs and identify ways that I'm vulnerable to it. Those are some steps you could take. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the truth in your word that really does help us. Thank you for your gracious kindness 
in speaking to us and helping us, Lord. And I just pray that you would you give us the strength to step out and follow you as you've shown us, uh, as you've spoken to us about what we need to do. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.